Hello and welcome back to the Peak PT Studio podcast with myself, Rich Higgins. This is a solo pod. I'm not joined by Josh today. I'm going to be covering some of the topics that we've had sent through on Instagram, um, a little bit of what's been going on in our week and also some stuff that we've posted on this week. So I'm going to touch on um, protein servings, meal timings and also high protein marketing on the nutrition side and we're also going to talk through some B-stance exercises which I've been posting a fair bit of on Instagram this week. First off, I'd like to say a massive thank you to everyone that has listened to our podcast so far. Um, Indeed, those people that have sent us feedback and even given us some reviews on Apple um, Podcasts as well. It's been really fantastic and we always welcome any feedback, positive or negative. Indeed, if there's any topics or questions that you'd like us to talk about on the pod, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our first subject this week is going to be around high protein marketing. This is off the back of something I posted on Instagram earlier in the week. Um, A company called Grenade, which many of you will know, um, started out doing fat burners and now have become pretty famous for their protein bars. They've just recently bought out a high protein ice cream which sounds great and if you can get a treat and of course everyone knows that protein is kind of the new low fat when it comes to marketing. Um, You see lots of different items out there in the supermarkets with high protein branded all over them um, to drag us in. Now the ice cream sounds great and the packaging looks great. Um, It's everything that you normally expect from Grenade. Digging a little deeper, you look on the back of the box and it actually shows you that each bar only contains six grams of protein. Now this is pretty typical at the moment um, across a lot of companies, a lot of supermarkets and an awful lot of branding. What you will realize is that companies, um, there's a really broad range, a broad spectrum of how they can call their products high protein off the back of percentages or just slight increases to the normal amount of protein that you might expect in a product. Now we often talk to our clients about a rough ballpark figure of trying to aim for 20 grams of protein in any of these high protein products. So if we're looking for a shake or a bar or anything um, marketed as a high protein snack, we're looking for around 20 grams. Now this recommendation um, largely comes from the leucine threshold that we are looking for. Now leucine is one of the essential amino acids and it is responsible for triggering protein, muscle protein synthesis. Sorry, let me get that one right. Muscle protein synthesis. Now muscle protein synthesis Um, occurs naturally in the body and it is the process in which protein is produced to repair a damaged muscle caused by intense exercise. So obviously if we're resistance training or indeed most types of training is going to cause that stress and breakdown on the muscle but particularly in the form of resistance training and this is where the marketing around protein shakes straight after workouts comes about which is a slightly separate topic. But when we're looking at our leucine threshold, to maximize 
MPS, muscle protein synthesis, you're looking around 2.5 grams of leucine. Now, for the most part, if for most people per snack or per meal, they're in the range of 20 to 40 grams of a good solid protein source, you're going to be hitting that leucine target. So this is where our recommendation of 20 grams of protein comes from in a lot of these snacks. We want to be 20 or above really to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis in the body. This doesn't mean that if you are eating something less than 20 grams of protein, you're not receiving any benefit. There's still all the normal benefit to having a high protein diet if that is going to contribute to your protein intake for the day. And to touch on good sources of protein that I mentioned in terms of hitting that leucine threshold, um, you're talking anything from animal products, um, whey protein that we often find in shakes and protein bars and snacks. That will, for the most part, if you're hitting around that 20 to 40 grams of protein, will cover that leucine threshold. This is one of the slight issues or considerations on a vegan or vegetarian diet. A lot of the sources of protein do not have that full amino acid profile. And that's what people talk about when they mention a slightly poorer quality of protein. Now that doesn't mean to say that it can't be done on a vegan or vegetarian diet, absolutely can. The best thing that you can do is look for a varied source of protein if you're eating vegan or vegetarian. So coming from soy, from pea protein, hemp protein, things like that, and find a little bit more variety in the meal. That will then normally hit your full amino acid profile. This is why when something comes out and is specifically marketed as high protein and it doesn't really meet that threshold, I would say you're probably just better off in this case having a normal ice cream and enjoying it because the chances are by trying to make it slightly high protein, they are reducing flavor in other ways. So in this case, I'd probably just go for a normal ice cream. And if you really wanted to up your protein, have a protein shake or something alongside it. A lot of the marketing around these kind of food sources, they've caught on to the fact that the fitness industry is talking a lot about protein and it kind of goes in waves a little bit like low fat and low sugar have been previously. Um, and that's been branded all over products. High protein seems to be the new thing. So you just have to be a little bit cautious and not always take things just on face value as to what is on the packaging. Actually dig a little bit deeper. That kind of rule of 20 grams of protein for a high protein product is fairly solid. And then the second thing that you might wanna consider if you're dieting or looking at keeping calories down is the calorie intake. So a lot of these things will have 20 grams of protein or even 20% protein is something they put on a lot, but they're really high in calories, in which case you're probably better off going for another food source. You wanna be looking at around 20 grams of protein for sort of 150 to 200 calories is a fairly good ballpark figure. And what kind of ties in quite nicely off the back of this sort of leucine threshold and protein servings. We got a question around uh, building muscle specifically and do you need to eat your meals at the same time every day? 
My short response to this on Instagram was no. Um, meal timing is mainly down to preference and also availability really. A lot of us have jobs that can dictate through the day when we can eat um, and when we have food available to us. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you're not eating at the same time every day. There is an optimal kind of range which is often quoted why we look at that three to five meal range and this ties into again the muscle protein th synthesis and optimally optimally spiking that every kind of three to four hours. Now as is often the case with health and fitness and nutrition and training optimum in a lab controlled study or in any study doesn't necessarily equate to optimal when it comes to day-to-day -day life. So if eating five times a day is going to kind of screw up with your work balance or make you miserable or you feel constantly full or you don't like eating that way, all of those factors outweigh the benefit that you get from eating five or six times per day. So for the most part with meal timings, I wouldn't really stress I mean, if you're getting down to just eating one or two big meals a day, then it's probably not great because you're going to go hungry in between and you'll probably feel really full and lethargic from eating that amount of calories in one sitting. Specifically, when it comes to um, muscle building, yes, you probably want to try and hit that 20 plus grams of protein servings through three to five meals the higher end of that is probably going to be a little bit more optimal um, through the day although playing it out in real life calories and protein overall throughout the day are going to be far more important once you've got that dialed in then you can refine it down a little bit and maybe looking at spreading those servings out through the day now onto the training side, something that I've mentioned quite a lot during the week on Instagram, I did a post earlier in the week and put a little bit through our stories, is B-stance variations of exercises. Now these are kind of a hybrid, a slight modification between a bilateral movement and a unilateral movement. So bilateral, basically your standard squats or deadlifts where you're using both legs simultaneously, uh, unilateral single leg exercises, so split squats, lunges, those kind of things. Unilateral exercises, for the most part, it shifts the balance of load. So maybe in a rear foot elevated split squat, you might be looking at kind of a 60-40 or a 70-30 split. So the back leg is still working, but you're putting much more of the emphasis on the front leg and loading the front leg. A B-stance exercise, and we'll use the squat for example, so you'd stand in a normal squat stance. You then take one foot slightly back and rest on the ball of the foot. So this may look like having your right foot, the toe of your right foot, in line with your left heel, the back of your left heel. So we're just slightly loading more weight onto that left side, hence the hybrid between the bilateral and the unilateral work. Reasons why I've particularly enjoyed this recently. One, it's a nice variation for people. Two, I think a lot of the time in unilateral exercises, you tend to get more range of motion. So people can often, often get more um, knee flexion, for example, out of a split squat than they can in a regular squat, just down to mobility and balance issues, things like that. And the B-stance exercises give you that. 
So it's a nice hybrid, a nice go-between going to some unilateral work. Also coming, um, returning back into the gym at the moment, which a lot of us will be doing, even if we've been working out from home and we've had kind of a few kettlebells or a few weights at home, our body won't yet be used to, say, for example, loading up to 60, 70, 80 to 100 kilos on our back in a back squat. That's not necessarily, you may be able to do it and your leg muscles may be able to do it, but we're talking about the overall load on the body. So the core, um, our joints, our ligaments, all that kind of stuff. So by using B stance exercises and slightly shifting the weight onto one um, leg more than the other, we're still challenging the muscles, the working muscles in that movement. So in the case of a squat, our quads, calf, hamstring, glutes, that kind of thing, but without needing the amount of load that we would do in say a bilateral exercise. It's also a nice way of keeping the intensity fairly low um, in that we're not having to load with as much weight, but keeping the volume quite high. So obviously if we're doing eight reps on one leg of that B-stance exercise, we then go to eight on the other. So we've got 16 reps in total. So obviously more volume than most of us would be doing for a bilateral exercise. Um, so it splits up the workout quite nicely like that. Now there's plenty of exercises that you can utilize the B-stance. Um, we put a few online, the RDL, uh, squats, we look to hip bridges as well, hex bar deadlifts. You can all utilize uh, the B-stance variation on the exercise. And that's another good point to come on to. In terms of variation, for the most part, strength, strength training is about repeating good basic technique and exercises. So it's always nice to have a slight variation when it comes to this. And the B-stance does that quite nicely. That's why we've been putting it into a lot of clients' programs recently. One, like I said, is increasing that intensity locally at the muscle without overloading the intensity of the whole exercise by taking on too much weight. We can still get a good stress at the quad without having to load the weight too high. And people aren't used to carrying that weight. You know, when you go back into the gym and you pick up kind of the dumbbell that you were lifting previously and think as soon as you pick it up before you do even do the exercise, it feels really heavy. Well, that's the same coming back in this time. We can get people loading a 10 or 12 kilo kettlebell and it's still a good workout on the leg muscles. From a coach's point of view, they're quite easy to teach. If most of your clients are used to doing bilateral exercises and unilateral exercises, it's a pretty easy one to teach the technique. Like I said, range of motion is often increased um, and you can do it with limited equipment that we have at the moment if you're just training outdoors. So that's why we've been utilizing them recently with our outdoor clients. Now in two weeks time, we're gonna be back indoors to the gym and a lot of that for us is going to be kind of managing expectations of clients what they could lift previously they might not be able to and just building things back in gently we talked about that on the previous podcast um, just getting back into the swing of things so there we go touching on uh, nutrition we're looking at that um, protein intake 
high protein marketing that we need to keep an eye out for, uh, muscle protein synthesis and that leucine threshold, which is where a lot of the recommendations on protein servings come from. Like I say, that's more from the optimization side of things and we still need to focus on the big picture of calories and overall protein intake and just being active with our exercise. That's a little bit more of the explanation of where those kind of numbers come from. Um, and hopefully that's that's helped you out a little bit and made sense. So just a short one today, um, solo podcast. We will get Josh back on the podcast for our next one. So if you've got any questions at all or any topics that you'd like us to cover, we've got a couple in the wings. We've also got some guests coming on, which is going to be awesome. Um, some ones kind of within the fitness industry but slightly outside our realm of expertise so we thought we'd get an expert on to talk about it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed today's pod. Keep liking, keep sharing, keep commenting, um, keep engaging and giving us some good ideas. So have a great week and I will catch you on the next episode.